Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Fuji Love Podcast. This is the show brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X Series or GFX, head on over to fujilove.com. My guest this week is Suzanne Stein. She is a tremendous street photographer, great person that takes amazing, profound urban portraits. I had an awesome time chatting with her. She uh, was kind enough to join us last week. In addition to that, she also has a very cool promotional video on the Fuji Love, U- uh, excuse me, the Fujifilm YouTube channel. Uh, Fujifilm has been promoting uh, several videos about a photographer's approach called My Approach. And one of them is Suzanne Stein and her use of the Fujifilm X100V, which is a camera that I just recently picked up myself too. So I was really excited to talk to her and I had an amazing time. I was a little bit starstruck because her work is really profound, really great to look at. So without further ado, let's jump into that interview. I'd like to introduce Suzanne Stein to the show. Suzanne, thank you for joining us on the Fuji Love podcast. I got to say, it's a tremendous honor and welcome aboard. (laughs) Thank you so much for um, your interest in my work. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. It's uh, so the way I discovered you was just very recently. uh, Fujifilm released uh, a new video kind of showcasing one, the X100V. But in addition to that, it showcased your work, your style of photography. And it's kind of like this mini documentary into your world and how you photograph your vision and just watching those few minutes it was one it it was very profound especially given the time that we're in right now in uh the, the time of covid right now uh your work your street photography and your urban portraitures it is you you from i'm gonna speak from my point of view um very raw, very gritty in in a way. You showcase. You, you don't pull punches with, with with what you're photographing, but even in the middle of like something that could be considered you know, harsh or really rough to look at, there is that 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 small spark of hope and tenderness in, in your photography that really stands out it's i mean that's from my point of view that's what really moved me and and really got me to you know toss everything aside and get in touch with you just so i could talk with you about your photography um so well done (laughs) Uh, well thank you (laughs) i threw a lot out Um, there for you well you know people have described my photography as being raw I hear that. I don't see it that way, though. I, I mean, I, some stuff, yeah, I, I could see where it's pretty raw, but that's really when you compare it to what other people are doing. Um, yes. A lot of other people are doing. That doesn't mean that it is actually raw. It's, I think of it as being kind of a concrete reality. I think of it as being, I call it, well, it's 
social realism, you know, as opposed to lately I've been thinking of social realism compared with uh, more of an idealism, which because we're on social media so much with our work lately, um, there are a lot of photos out there, street photos, documentary where it's more idealistically presented, um, presented in a way that's um, easier, I, I hate to say easier to look at, but easier to look at, yeah. um, more, palate, more palatable, um, more likely to be accepted on social media um, the way it exists now. But it's, it's not really the way things are. It's sometimes the way things want to be seen, you know. Um, it's kind of like a filter are, you know? and you're unfiltered. Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking pictures of the way it is, you know, but I do add a sentimentality to it because I, I don't know how I do it, but it's it's the way I, the moment that I see that I want, it just happens and that's when I pull the trigger, you know, or I also choose my subjects. I mean, I have people that I photo, you know, I do street photography and I do kind of a documentary thing. I, it's kind of a hybrid. I don't really classify what I do. I, you know, you have a lot of street photography blogs and everything and people that talk it up and do workshops and they have their way of doing it and you know i think people should get out there and do their own thing that's what i do so i don't really call it any one thing but um i think that um a lot of it that i what i do is straight street photography where i'm just shooting what i see but it's in the choice of what i shoot it's you know what we all shoot is our choices are it's formed by our perspective on life you know so yes i guess you know, the sentimentality thing is partially due to who I choose and what nerve is being touched by that interaction that I have with the person. Um, you know, I, some people aren't very sympathetic in their lives, but when you dig, dig a little deeper, you find that there are, you know, a lot of very poignant things about that person's life. And so I try to kind of pull that out. Um, and hopefully it comes up in the pictures. It does. And especially the, the portraits that you do of individuals, they are very, uh, now just looking at them, it looks like, um, you're finding people just out and about. Do you ask people to take their picture in some of those cases or? Are um, you- yeah, well, I don't. I mean, for portraits, yeah, I yeah. have to. I mean, so I just, if you, are you asking how, what I do or how I approach them? or Yeah, what, what is your pro- process of approaching somebody? I mean, from from my point of view, um, it, it's, do you just come up to somebody, you know, you, you know I love the way you look, can, can I take your photo? Some, I, it's very intriguing because this is something that, uh, I am shy to do street photography is very uh, it, it is a world that I am. I, I love seeing it when it's done really well. Uh, but for me that connect to how, how it's done is uh, is from my point of view, it seems so simple, but it, it's so intangible. Like there, there, there's that little fear in me that, that prevents me. So when I see it done super well, like you do it, I, I'm just in awe of it, actually. So, yeah, uh, how, how do you approach people and, and get that so, candid moment? Well, here's the thing. 
a lot of what I do is candid. I, I don't even like that word, actually. I try not to use it too much, but I, a lot of what I do is I see something happening and I just bowl my way in there and I just take the picture. Okay? Yes. I, I don't ask. Um, that I get. <laughs> for, some, for some scenes, I mean, you can't ask because you see something beautiful, like a scene on a bus or a subway or there's a couple on the street. And, uh, you know, you, you just have to get in there and grab it because it's a juxtaposition of all these different natural things going on. But for other scenes where I know as soon as I step in, I'm going to interrupt it. Or if I think that the people involved could get aggressive or angry or, or um, confrontational, I will just say, hey, this is what I want to do. This is a great scene. Uh, do you mind if I'm just going to take this picture of this whole street scene? And usually it's okay, you know, and I'll do it. Um, but for portraits, it can be very, it's a sales pitch, you know. Yeah. I mean, here's, here's the deal. I mean, I approach people that I don't have anything in common with necessarily that I've never seen before or they're, maybe they're, you know, in, enmeshed in their day and their world. And here's this strange woman, you know, wants to take the picture. So, you know, I have to kind of field a lot of odd looks, a lot of, disbelief a lot of um people who are you know they don't trust you they don't know what you're gonna they're, they think you're gonna make money from the picture a lot of times which of course we all know that's very difficult to do especially with what i'm doing <laughs> so yeah. you know it's not like pretty street photography or cute stuff or commercial stuff you know right so what you're really doing is you're cold calling it's cold calling if you if anybody knows what that is it's when you're a salesperson, whether you're on the phone or, you know, or like that stereotypical fuller brush salesman, you're walking up, you're knocking on the door, you're talking to somebody's mom and you're trying to sell her, you know, Avon, you know, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm doing. I'm making cold calls. I'm selling myself every single time I want to do a portrait. I got to, you know, explain what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And I got to do it really fast or the mood is going to be broken. And there have been some notable times when I've been turned down and I've been like angry almost like, gosh, you know, that, that would have been like, oh, you know, it's a tragic, <laughs> it's a tragedy when it happens. But um, yeah, you're just walking up and you're just singing for your supper. You know, basically you're hustling to try to sell someone something, not because you're trying to get away with something, but because you really, I really want that picture. I see something beautiful. I see something amazing. Like I see, a, be a beautiful child or, you know, an interaction between a mother and a child. It could be anything. So I want that picture. I'm not selling it to anybody. You know, I might put it on my website or put it on Instagram or it could go in a portfolio. Or it could be for, I've done two campaigns for Fujifilm, you know, but I want that picture for myself, you know? So yes. I am, I'm on the floor, you know, and I am trying to get that vote. Yep. So that's, that's it. I mean, it's absolutely amazing, and where you find beauty is 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 really profound. And for for those listening, uh, I encourage everybody to go to Suzanne Stein's website, SuzanneSteinPhoto.com, or find Suzanne on Instagram and use that as kind of like uh, your 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 guide to uh, her words. Uh, so maybe that can accompany the podcast listening. Um, so let's rewind a little bit. Um, so that's where you, this is where you are today. 
where where did the love of photography start? Where where did you where where did this spark start? Um, you know, I was always one of those people that was really, you know, as a child, I loved looking at photo books. You know, I loved this black and white. Um, I always loved W. Eugene Smith. I remember just running across stuff. You know, as a child. Um, you know, I grew up in a household, uh, my dad's Jewish, my mother is Protestant. So my dad had a lot of black and white photo books of like um, Poland villages, like Roman Vishniak. Oh, are you so Polish? I, I had a... Oh, no, I'm not Polish. But um, <laughs> my family is, you know, Ukrainian. Oh, right on. Uh, right next door. Jewish. Yeah. But but so I had access to some of these really old black and white. So I had that in kind of my deep buried in my psyche. But as an adult, I only took pictures of my son eating lunch, you know, like, or, you know, I didn't, I traveled a lot. I never took pictures. I did not own a camera. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't start photographing until I went to Europe five years ago, almost exactly five years ago. I started using my iPhone and all of a sudden, like, I realized I could tell stories like with the pictures. I, it just connected. And I, I always say I was chasing gypsies in Bologna, you know, Romani people, not gypsies, but <laughs> I was just chasing all these scenes with an iPhone. And I immediately knew I needed a camera. And when I got back from Europe, I bought a camera. I think it was August 12th of 2015. And I got, I actually got the first camera was an X100. Yeah. And I returned that because I didn't like the focal length, and I got the X-T1. Right on. And I had the X-T1 with the 18 to 55 on it. Yep. And that's what I started with. And I just really broke, broke my rear end just working. I was just so into it. Um, and I also, um, I lived in Del Mar, California, which is a San Diego. It's a city, tiny city just outside San Diego. Yep. I started going to downtown Los Angeles uh, at the same time, and I fell in love with that whole thing. That was a whole. That's a whole other story. But that fueled my my intense motivation to uh, master the streets. Basically, I just kind of fell in love with with Los Angeles and with taking pictures. So. You started in 2015 with yeah. your first camera, and I am amazed and profoundly impressed by your like ability to to just take on so quickly, like your your composition, your uh, your your style of photography, your your portraiture. Uh, it's I, I am I am really impressed. <laughs> it is. Uh, oh, thank you. you. You did so much in so little time. Where it takes. I mean, God, I, I'm a I'm a little jealous. It took years to 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 kind of get to where I'm at today. <laughs> but well, um, a lot of it is is but a lot of it is just intense. It's obsession, you know. Yes. I, mean, I probably have like a hyper focused ADHD thing. You know, I I might have something like that. I. I also think that um, it's it's a certain ability to be incredibly driven. I'm just very driven. Um, you know, right before I was speaking with you, I'm getting ready to bake bread. I'm making vegetables. I have so much going on right now. I'm editing pictures as I'm speaking. I am never doing one thing. I'm yeah. always doing three things, you know. So 
I think it's also just, um, honestly, just, uh, I don't know how to describe this. It's just, your mind never stops moving. You, it's just an ability to just, I think, I think a lot of accomplishing anything in any field is just constant work. Yes. I mean, you're, you're not like, go, I, I just said this on, on another thing I did with Suji film. You know, you're not just going out for a few hours on the weekend or here and there taking a few shots. There's like a lot of stuff I don't own because I don't have a lot of money because my priority is doing this. You know? Yes. I am not money motivated. I need to be really badly, but trust me. But and I, the artistic um, process isn't just uh, a few hours and then done. I, I could, no. if, if I were to hazard a guess, uh, even though you may not be photographing, that artistic process is still churning in your head. Always. I'm taking pictures when I'm not taking, I mean, especially lately, you know, because I'm not on, I mean, I'm in Austin, Texas because my dad's here and he's older. I'll, yes. I'll be going back to New York soon. Um, and I, I may start doing something else kind of crazy. I don't, I don't know if I can do it. I might try, <laughs> but you know, you're still, you're still taking pictures, you know, even though we, we can't get out on the streets and the streets are different now, you know, you could still take pictures in your mind, the, the pictures that you want to take. I mean, I'm, you know, I think it's a, as far as, you know, accomplishing goals, it's one of the things for me is that I, I don't have a mentor. Yeah. I don't have a mentor. Um, I, I don't want a mentor necessarily. I mean, I would like to have somebody to help me along in the business because I'm really clueless about a lot of that aspect, but I don't look to other people for guidance. I never did. You know, I don't look up photography blogs to tell me what focal length to use or how to shoot a street photo. A lot of those blogs will tell you what, what you should and what you shouldn't do and what constitutes street photography. And I absolutely detest that because I think we should all get out there and make our own rules. It's not up to some blogger, no matter how well known they are to, to discuss or to, you know, to create any kind of protocol for anyone yes. else. You know, it's, it's art. You know, you make your own protocol. It's not up to somebody to say this isn't street photography because it isn't candid. I've had people actually come up to me on the street and I've gotten into arguments. Like, this is art. You know, grow up. You, you have to do it your way, you know. Um, so part of what I do is because I focus so hard and I really follow my own vision. I get a vision every time I see a picture. Yes. I'll know what I want to do. And I think that's why I'm, I was drawn to your work uh, so much is that I, I 100% agree with, with what you're saying. There's a lot of, I, I think, maybe stereotype is not the right word to use, but the stereo, I'm going to use it anyway. Uh, the, the stereotype that art has to be uh, very beautiful or, you know, very, very pristine or it has to look a certain way. Um, and what a lot of people forget is that if you're, if you're watching something uh, that, that is disturbing or something that is just not towards your sensibility, that still is art that still generated an emotional response. And even though you may not agree with the subject that is being presented to you, that is still technically art. It, it is. It is not meant to just constantly inspire, make you know, make you smile. If it made you think, that's just as artistic and just as valid. 
Well, yeah, but also, I mean, for my pictures, people tend to focus on the raw stuff because it's so in your face. But, I mean, I have a lot of pictures of multiple exposures. I'm looking at, I, I do a lot of flowers lately here because of, you know, uh, where I'm at. But yeah, um, I have children. I have all kinds of stuff that's not, you know, that's beautiful. That's, that's more, um, what's the word? That's more generic, more, more acceptably beautiful, you know, attractive. Um, it's just that when you have stuff that's in your face, it's like a flavor. It's like if you put orange rind in, um, you know, a scone, that orange rind flavor is going to overpower just about every other element, the butter, the buttermilk, all those softer flavors, they're all still there. But that, you know, that overpowering flavor is like the orange rind really takes over. So for my stuff, a lot of people will tend to focus on the stuff that's raw, but I see things as, like I said in the video, a mosaic, you know, it's a little bit of everything. And I also think that, you know, I just can't even enter into any of these conversations about photography without bringing up social media because we are so focused on likes and stuff. And a lot of what the people that are on social media is kind of like a middle of the road sensibility. Sometimes you have people that really get the subtleties and then you have people that are completely clueless, you know, um, and it kind of meets in the middle. So a lot of art lately is actually driven by that middle of that kind of middling sensibility, which I'm not knocking. I mean, I follow a lot of like little animal accounts and I like chipmunks and kitties and stuff, but I tend to not follow as much photography sometimes because I, I don't really want to see other people's work. Sometimes I really just want to focus on what I'm doing, but yeah. Um, you know, I think art, I find beauty and I, I can't, I mean, every can't explain why I think things are beautiful that other people don't. I don't even know how you could look at some of what I have and say it's not beautiful. <laughs> but I mean, some of my pictures of Jeanette, I did this thing with the X100V. It was mostly with the V. Um, it was, um, it's called Lullaby on my website. I have three galleries devoted yep. to Lullaby and one is Jeanette and she's an older lady and that's, you could see it on there if anybody's interested, but I find those pictures to be heartbreakingly beautiful. I mean, she's old and she's near death, but some of the pictures are kind of almost near death portraits in a way um, of someone fading, but they I have think a beauty to them. You captured that very well in, in your explanation. It's heartbreakingly beautiful uh, where you're experiencing both just the, the wonder and history of, uh, this person, and I'm looking at the photos right now. I, that I mean, that's the video that I saw on Fujifilm, and that's yeah. that's exactly that's the closest that I could say. It's like, yes, I could see the history in her house, just the clutter, but every clutter has sentimental value, and, and, and just her history in in the world, uh, where she's been, who she's become, and. and yeah, it's. I mean, I I see that. I, I I totally feel what you're getting at, and uh, I I think that's a great example to to to. I mean, I'm tripping over my own words. It, it's like the photography is the the thing that explains it better than mere words will. But um, I and one of the things that that really captures your work i think are you're focused on hands 
um, in yeah. the street photography where you're seeing something, let's just use the word again, heartbreakingly, whatever it is, like if it's, if something is considered too raw or, or something, but when you focus on hands, the hands tend to be doing something very tender, very loving. And it, it's, it's, it's that diamond in the rough to quote Disney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is, it is, it is a diamond in the rough, but you know, I think that, um, I don't know. It's hard. It's so hard to define what we think is beautiful or tender. There's just like some feeling that I'll get. It's like this moment that I, that I have to get and I'll, I'll do almost anything to get the picture. I'll, you know, I'll, I just, I do what I have to do, but, I guess you're right. It's a diamond in the rough. That's kind of an old term, but they're diamonds just the same. You know, I, I think a lot of, we've just gotten so conventional beauty oriented, especially with, you know, Instagram, um, especially with the type of street photography that's more commercial, that is a lot of people love and I'm not knocking it, but um, I think that sometimes we lose sight of, who we really are and what we're really photographing. I mean, is it just a collection of, um, you know, cliches and, and constructed moments, you know, things that look like they're either been done over and over and over again, or, you know, it's a mask. kind of recycled work of other artists, you know, I mean. Yeah. And what you're presenting is how the world really is and of course it's through your eyes uh through your interpretation but uh, be trying to be as documentary as possible uh, uh, like you said earlier you know get in there capture it as it's happening it, it's i i see that and i am and i'm moved by it it it, it is and again my <laughs> This this is not very fun for an audio podcast, but uh, my my descriptions just fall short by how profound and how direct your images are. And I think in this time, you know, not just not just for you know because we're experiencing COVID lockdown, but you know, yeah. there there is a lot of fake in this world in disguise yeah. of beauty and especially with, 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 like you mentioned, social media, there, there is a lot of that, you know, push to be beautiful, to get the likes and everything. And, and behind that all that we hear constant tales of how miserable that is and showing kind of like the opposite where you're showing what, what is potentially a miserable scene. But again, the, the things that I find so heartwarming is those moments of tenderness. Like you have a couple that you photographed, they are on a mattress on the street, but one is comforting oh, yeah. the other while, while the, the, the one is laying down and, and that, that is, there's another scene where a woman is crying and uh, an African American gentleman is uh, holding her, uh, and comforting her. And again, the hands, the hands, it, 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 like his strong hands holding her so tenderly is just 
amazing and profound and it, it, it is it is beautiful it's heartbreakingly beautiful <laughs> um well, see a lot a lot of this stuff that people see like when i was shooting those pictures we were getting so many stares you know people are like looking at me like what is she doing you know i mean so this kind of beauty it this kind of stuff is all around us but i think we tend to shy away from it sometimes i also think that um You know, it's really hard to to not, sometimes it's just, it gets difficult to shut out outside influences as far as social media goes, you know, because I kind of came up as a photographer using social media. So I kind of learned early on that what I was doing wasn't really fitting in with what other people were doing. Um, I think that we're kind of living in a time where all this stuff is kind of caught up with us. You know, a lot of people now, I, I really truly believe this now. I think there are a lot of people really ready to connect with, with images. I think that people are ready to have real stories. You can look at, um, I'm so impressed with this Dove ad. I, I talked about it um, in my last interview. And it's this Courage is Beautiful ad where they had these people that work in hospitals and their portraits done as they get off their shift with the yes. mask off and the indentations. That's an Italian photographer that did this photo essay. And I, I think they, they use the guy's pictures and hopefully they hired him to do others, you know? Um, but you know, people would never have given Dove would never have done an ad campaign like that two, three months ago in a million years, but people want to see themselves now. I believe that really strongly there, there it's time now, um, tell real stories it's not about pretty colors and reflections and i like to do that obviously i've done it i have it on on my website but you know there's there's a time and a place for reality and it, it you know in our descriptions of reality when we say that it's raw or it's gritty it's not really raw or gritty it just is it's just in comparison with these other kinds of images that we're deluged with, it's in comparison, it's raw or gritty. In reality, we're sitting next to it every day. Yes. We're just not necessarily putting it on, uh, on a social media platform, but we see it every day. I mean, you can, you know, look at an old per older person. I mean, my hands are getting older, you know, so I'm not, I'm not, um, at all denigrating older people's hands, but you can see someone with wizened looking hands in the supermarket, you know, but other people may not choose to photograph these things that are very, very real. Um, but they're nonetheless, you know, things we see every day. It's just that when you compare it to the norm, that the average thing that we see on in advertising or on some social media platform, it, it looks raw in comparison, but in reality, it's just reality. It's just telling it like it is. It's photography that tells it like it is. Yes. You know, very good way of putting it. That, that is, that I, you, you, you said it perfectly, uh, on, on a lighter side, um, what attracted you to the Fuji system? What, when you were going, um, jumping from the iPhone and, and right into Fuji? Uh, I looked at a bunch of cameras. I, I was in San Diego and I was just like, um, the Nikons and the Canons were totally unappealing. Um, they were 
more, um, you know, the Fuji, the X system was mirrorless and it just seemed just super intuitive. And I, I could see where the F stop was and on the, on the lens and I could see where the shutter speed was. Cause I didn't, the guy in the store had to tell me what they were and what they did. It's <laughs> <I was laughs> like, because one of the things I had to overcome was being completely ignorant of all things technical. Uh, that took about a year. I mean, I would go into a camera store and they would just be so condescending. And in fact, it really still happens. You know, I mean, in New York, I, I can go into a camera store and they kind of know that I can take pictures because they've seen me in and out of there. And maybe some people know my Instagram, not all in all yeah. cases, but I still have to fight being condescended to. I mean, I, I walked into a camera store here in Austin with my X100V and my X-Pro3, and I did the campaigns for both cameras, and they treated me like I was an idiot. And I was just like, you know, so when I started out, <laughs> I was constantly being treated condescendingly like somebody's mom. So I, um, you know, I found that the X system was just intuitive, and I liked the way it looked and felt, and I immediately, it's an artist system i mean i've done a lot of my most artistic stuff with the x system yeah um you know i mean you could just it's just so it's like i think of it as kind of like um a set of paintbrushes and palette knives and as i used to be an artist so you know you have your different brushes for different kinds of effects that you want to do in watercolor or oils you have palette knives or in different densities and different flexibility and different so the the x system kind of allows you I could, like if I'm doing multiple exposures it's what I'm doing a lot of now of flowers wildflowers out yep. here in central Texas so I can get in there into my X system and I can alter my film simulation my white balance I change I change everything inside that quick menu even just between uh, layers of multiple exposures so it's just like having a watercolor palette uh, where you can add a little yellow or you can you can gray it down, you can change the brush, you can add more water, you can do it with the dry brush. The X system lets you do that. They, it really does um, yeah. let you play. I I just recently bought an X100V myself. That uh, that came in the mail on Tuesday, and oh, I don't think I've let go of it since. <laughs> yeah, I have mine with me every day. I, I actually got it. Uh, with the campaign and I wasn't sure how much I'd really use it. Like yeah. cause my focal length is typically wider on the X system. It's 16 millimeter. That's my street focal length. Yep. But my X 100 V is with me all the time, all the time. I started uh, just like you. I started with the X 100. Um, I, I moved from Canon my, uh, uh, and you know, I, that was my first taste and, it does grip you. There is just something about that system that uh, that that just captivates you. Uh, I mean, look at me. I'm doing a show about it. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's and your. I think your description of having it, comparing it to to painting, is very apt because, like you said, the going from film sim to film sim. Uh, kind of mixing things around. That that is something that I've never uh, heard any other photographer using. Uh, the with, with the double exposure and everything. That's very uh, very fascinating. 
Well, I mean, you can do whatever you want with these cameras. You know, I have... Uh, that is true. <laughs> I, I mean, if I had the money, I'd have different systems, you know, but <clears throat> I haven't been using... I've only been using this system since I've been in Texas. I, I also think that, you know, sometimes we... Like, I, I have the GFX. I borrowed the GFX 100. Yep. I hope I can get my hands on that camera again someday. <laughs> but... Um, um, so having a lot of resolution is wonderful. One of the things that I learned with the X100B campaign is that I took some great pictures with this little, I mean, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I was very happy with the pictures that I got out of this little camera, you know, and it was a pre-production copy that did a lot of those Jeanette pictures. I, um, and, you know, I think that, I'm going to try to put this into words. There's something about the character of the images that I get with these sensors that almost negate the value of a lot of resolution in some cases. So I have a picture of Jeanette sitting in her apartment with surrounded by all of her stuff. Now, you would look at that and think, ah, oh, I should do that with the GFX or I should do that with, uh, I have another camera system that's a full-frame system. And I did do it with my other full-frame system, but the best picture was the V. Yeah. And, in fact, I sold that picture to someone in Los Angeles that's, you know, involved in the movie industry. And this person loved the picture and was so gratifying to me because this person is an amazing artist. And... You know, a lot of the pictures that I've done that are the most meaningful were done with X-Pro2, X-T2, X-T1, not a full-frame camera. You know, it's the, the character and the quality of the, there's just something I can't put my finger on. I have pictures in Williamsburg that were done with the X-H1, uh, that were done with the X-Pro3, and they have a, just a character. Yes. That is just, you know, that you're not going to get with some of the other bigger Nikons. You just, it's just not the same. Agreed. It's the, the, it it is this intangible thing that you're looking at it. You're seeing it, but it's more than just, Hey, this is just a different shade. This is a different tone. There, there is something that is, piece together that is very close to uh, very reminiscent to uh, their film Uh, I think they do a great job of you know being as close to the film as possible there are there some differences sure here and there I've seen comparisons and it's kind of like eh I think we're nitpicking there but um, but you're I I I hear you there is each film simulation each way that you take a photo has this tremendous character uh and it just really adds to the story that you're you're trying to tell with your images it is it's kind of like to to use a a television analogy it's like shooting with the video or shooting with actual film there's that the yeah. fil- film may be 24 frames per second, slower technically, but there's that hint of magic in there that is 
just makes your movie so much better than just a regular video. And I think that well, shows in photography as well with Fujifilm. I I think sometimes also, and I'm not I'm not a technical, I'm, I don't know the technical reasons for this, but there is some kind of interaction with the focal length that you use and yes. that sensor. So when I use my 16 millimeter or my 14, the way to interact with that crop with that sensor size, you know is different. Like when I went into full frame, I could not replicate the way my portraits looked. I could not replicate the, the slight distortion that my 16 millimeter has in portraits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, 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 I really took a lot of adjusting that I wasn't getting the same kind of storybook quality. Like this, I cannot explain what I'm trying to, what I feel, but but you're displaying um, it quite well, so <laughs> I think you're doing yeah. a great job in that respect, and that's the part that counts in the end. Well, it's the feeling of it's. It's also the way the, the lensing, the lenses are, the way that they're, uh, the way the color. I, they talk about Fuji colors, and that's part of it. But it's also for me um, the way that lens interacts with the sensor. It's just totally different than a full frame or a medium format. On the medium format, as much as I love the camera and I hope to be able to buy it someday, the GFX 100, yeah. it's for a totally different photography yes. um, approach. It's not uh, the same. You're not doing the same thing because you're using the interaction of the lensing and the sensor. You're using the way it it kind of records the image, the the. Mm-hmm. What's the word I want? The um, the way the image is translated and the way it, the final image Processed. is not always obvious. Yeah, the way the way it the way it interprets the image onto the sensor yes. is not exactly the way it looks in front of me. You know what I mean? So that interpretation that the camera, as an artist, you're working with the way the camera interprets things, and that's part of the statement that you're able to make with the system. If yes. that, does that make sense? Oh, perfectly. It, it totally makes sense. Uh, it, I mean, a lot of people think that sensor is everything, but it, they, they forget that the, the engine that processes that raw data coming from the, the sensor is just as important. Uh, it, it is playing a tremendous uh, role in translating what, 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 the, what you're seeing and... Uh, yeah, I, the the technical side. Uh, I wish I was more knowledgeable about that, but I I completely hear what you're saying, and and it, it is so true. Um, but it's again in the end, your photos are. I I, I was I was moved. Uh, it was something that. Uh, and for for those listening, uh, I, I think I watched your video uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday uh, and then just immediately got it. Like once that video was done, web search, go onto your uh, contact page, contact you, get you on the show as fast as possible because it, it was it, it was amazing. I, I, I loved it. It hit me. Pro- I mean right time right place it, it 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 was just so visually stunning that that 
and I'm having trouble with the words. Everybody is going to have to go check it out yourself to 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 know what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, uh, what what do you have in store for the future? Like what where where do you see yourself going? Uh, you're still very early in your career. Um, do you have a direction where you want to to aim for? Is, is street photography you, something that you're you going say, to? St- when you say direction, what do you mean? Uh, do you have any other places that you want to explore? Do you have any other styles oh. that you want to ex- explore with photography? I mean, tw- 2015, uh, in the grand scheme of things, is still relatively yesterday, and you've gone so far in such a short amount of time, which has to be congratulated. Uh, very oh, impressive. Thank you. Um, that's, that's awesome to say that. It's just, it feels like I've been doing this forever and it feels like it's not happening fast enough. And I feel like um, I want everything done yesterday. Um, <laughs> so I am always thinking, you know, right now we have a situation with this, um, you know, with this pandemic. Yeah. So that really changes street photography. But here's the thing. A lot of us associate street photography with big cities. And the big cities get too much attention. You know, New York, London, Los Angeles, um, Paris, wherever you are, you know, Miami. I don't care. Whatever city it is. Yeah. There are just a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of places where people are. And one of the things that is really important is to recognize the value in smaller, I don't even like to use the word smaller, in less well-trafficked areas. Less dense. Um, somebody made a, yes, well, I'm, you know, I mean, somebody made a comment on my YouTube video. They said another New York City street photographer and, and the person's right, you know, I mean, not, not because um, I think they should have made that comment because I thought it was catty comment, but, you know, there are a lot of people working in big cities and I think that the cities are going to change for a while. And so for me, I am so desperate to get out there and tell different stories. You know, I've kind of been doing, I'm always going to be, I'm going to go back to New York soon and probably shoot some and maybe go back to LA, eventually winding up in LA. Uh, But the thing is, is that I really want to do things that are um, off the beaten track. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in, in, in our, in the world right now that isn't happening in New York city or, another big place, you know, I think sometimes people will, people will write to me sometimes and say, well, I just live in this little place, you know, and, you know, it's not like New York, you know, it's like I say, you know, gosh, there's so many things that you can find, like in your neighborhood, people, different things, you know, you have to like kind of have a vision and find value in things that maybe are not always given value do you see what i'm saying like love where you are just because some yeah yeah that and also um understanding that just because there's a stereotypical place to do anything you know um it doesn't mean that that that's true that that's real you have to make your own statement your own vision yes um and it doesn't have to be in in the in the tried and true places. I think the stories are everywhere, especially now. So for me, 
I really want to get out there and do something totally different, do something. Um, I kind of want to get into the heart of the heart of my country yes. in a way that I haven't. Absolutely. And, yeah. and now's the time to do it. This is, uh, we, we live in a time where we can, we can have Hollywood from any place. And, uh, that, that has been true since, you know, even, even before right now, uh, you, you have a lot of people becoming famous, more famous than the actual television and, and, uh, movie people where yeah, with YouTube and with social media yeah, and, and now in this pandemic, it is the people who have cut their teeth on YouTube and, and some social media platforms that are using better production value than the people who are in the traditional media. Um, and oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's amazing. Like, uh, with I think with I, I, I'm just trying to use an example uh, with uh, ESPN having people broadcast from home, and you know, meanwhile there are other YouTubers out there with like studio microphones, green screens, and you know, actual production lighting, and <laughs> it, it was a just big juxtaposition. In fact, you're in Austin. Um, Brian Brushwood, uh, a, a guy that I follow uh, pretty regularly. He, he's a magician, not a photographer, but he okay. has like this very intense knowledge of uh, social media and how how to make it work for uh, one for his magic career, but for other uh, careers as well. He's also pretty good at comedy. Um, good to follow, but uh, <laughs> and and now. He has his own uh, production studio, his own pretty much like seven acre compound. It's uh, it, it's quite the quite the story, uh, but that's a, a big tangent. Um, so yeah, I, I went off a little bit, but seeing that you were in Austin as well, that was uh, that that came to mind. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I just I just want to kind of get out there, and I I, I have a. I always like kind of work off having a vision or something. And yes. You just have to wait for it to come to you sometimes. Sometimes it hits you and sometimes you just got to live life. That's part of, you know, part of photography is you're photographing life. I mean, for what I do anyway. Yes. Um, Don't forget. Uh, it's very common where, you know, yes, we are photographing life, but we can also forget we, we, we t- sometimes we forget to live it ourselves. Um, and, and I think that's a important value to make sure we are not only photographing it, but we are a part of it as well. Well, I think a lot of people, a lot of street photographers, one of the things, um, when you would talk about interacting, I see a lot of people doing all this surreptitious kind of street shooting, um, which sometimes you need to, to, to definitely just get the shot. But I think, the way you live your life and how you interact is also, you know, kind of shows up in what you take pictures of and what your perspective is and whether or not there is any feeling in the images. So we're all going through a lot of changes right now. And 
I think it's going to change art. It's going to change how we express ourselves. It's going to change even what's available for us to to photograph. As, oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, um, and hopefully for the better. <laughs> Knock on wood. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> Knock on a lot of wood. For sure. Yeah, a lot of wood. Well, it's uh, just a change in perspective. You have to just kind of change your approach. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Suzanne, I, I could go on talking for for a long time. Uh, you, you are a captivating person. Uh, your work is just truly amazing. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Uh, I would love to have you back sometime to... to kind of just talk shop some more but in the meantime can you tell everybody where they can find you and your work on the web um it's suzanne stein photo um if you just google suzanne stein photographer you'll come up with it and on instagram i'm suzanne under slash underscore stein s-t-e-i-n awesome and i recommend everybody check out her work it is it is amazing. It is profound. It has beautiful, tender moments. Uh, you you will not be disappointed. Suzanne, thank you for being on the show, and we'll have you back very soon. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. Anyway, thank you one more time to Suzanne Stein for this awesome interview. I had an amazing time chatting with her, and I could have gone on and on. Uh, we actually did talk for a little bit more after the interview finished recording. Uh, she is just such a great personality, uh, and just chatting away was uh, j- just super easy, and-, and I can't wait to bring her back on the show at some point. Uh, but that's all for this week. Uh, again, this show is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X-Series or GFX, head on over to fujilove.com. There are a lot of great articles up there about gear, about photographers and their personal journeys. It's a great resource, and you get some pretty awesome photos to boot. So fujilove.com, they help pay the bills, and it's a great resource for you to check out. So that's all for this week. We'll see you next time.